0: Hey everybody, Rich Schwartz here, and welcome to episode 3 of Lost in Transcription. This episode is going to focus on the insights uncovered in and around the way people felt and thought about COVID-19 in the context of their existing health conditions. While InVibe was conducting general COVID-19 research, they also zoomed in on people who already had medical conditions and the frontline workers who care for their current needs in the midst of this global crisis. Since the primary customer base of InVibe is the life sciences industry, they decided to see if the needs of these audiences, at the very worst of times, could support industry opportunities to be better for these essential customers at any time. And of course, we'll get expert insights on the deeper meanings behind the words we use and choose and how we say them from the experts at InVibe. I am joined today by Catherine Tickner, one of InVibe's deep listening experts. Welcome, Catherine. Hey, Rich. So, Catherine... Tell us a little bit more about the research that was conducted during COVID-19 of people with existing health conditions.
1: Yeah, sure thing. So we looked at people with a series of conditions across therapeutic areas. This included several cancers, IBD and Crohn's, RA, multiple sclerosis, mental health conditions like anxiety and depression, cystic fibrosis, type 2 diabetes, COPD, migraine, and I'm sure I'm still missing a few there. Um, but most importantly, these are people who are living with chronic conditions, many of whom are currently enrolled in clinical trials as well.
0: Great. On the other side, there is research with healthcare professionals, right?
1: Yes, exactly. So we spoke to physicians across a very variety of specialties as well: neurology, family medicine, oncology, hematology, pulmonology, immunology, and infectious disease. Uh, with both the patient and the physician group, our goal was really twofold. First, to understand their experiences and their unmet needs. Um, So we really wanted to learn what they were going through in connection with the conditions they might have and treat and what they might need to help to ease their care and minds.
0: Perfect. So this is a real opportunity to understand what both patients and practitioners need in a time of crisis and deep concern, but also for us to look ahead and see what we might do better in the future.
1: I certainly think that is a big benefit of, of this particular study. And another benefit is the breadth and depth of what social scientists sometimes call thick data. So we have hundreds of participants and hours of insights, but we can also zoom in very specifically by condition and specialty. Why don't we take a listen to a few clips? This first clip is a patient with MS in his late 30s And we've asked him, you know, what would be most helpful for a pharmaceutical manufacturer to be sharing at this time? Uh, This clip is from March 25th. So this was about nine weeks into our research um, and in the very early days of the shelter-in-place orders that were in place in many states. So our speech-emotion algorithms actually registered a shift in dominance or level of confidence and certainty when this patient went from talking about which specific details would be helpful to making that kind of final plea for just any kind of MS-related information at all?
2: What I would like from the manufacturer is, um, you know, whatever they can dig up on patients with MS on Ocrevus that have gotten COVID-19, uh, kind of what their situation was beforehand if they had other, uh, you know, comorbid- comorbidities beyond MS, um, kind of what their lymphocyte count was, uh, you know, age, sex, that kind of stuff. Um, and I know it's just going to be limited data. Uh, it's really just anecdotal at this point, but um, I think as a patient, uh, whatever we can get our hands on right now uh, would be uh, helpful.
0: So for me, I'm hearing a pretty informed patient with some specific questions. What did the invibe experts and the algorithms hear when you listen deeply?
1: Yeah, we are hearing a specific answer to a specific question for sure. And we designed the question in search of details. But that desire for more personally tailored information was actually something that we heard again and again, not just generalized information, but information that applies to my particular condition and my particular treatment. Let's listen to this bit again and see if you hear what I mean.
2: And I know it's it's gonna be limited data. Uh, It's really just anecdotal at this point, but um, I think as a patient, uh, whatever we can get our hands on right now uh, would be uh, helpful.
0: I heard him hedge. There, there's a bit of a qualifier of the anecdotal, the whatever you can get our hands on. It seems like a grasp for like anything.
1: Exactly. You hear the emphasis that he places on the word, whatever we can get our hands on. He's really stressing the urgency of that unmet need. And on a physiological level, our algorithms detected an increase in, as I mentioned, that vocal dominance there as well. He knows what information he needs and he's not getting it. Now, it might be helpful to listen to a neurologist answering a similar question about what they need from pharmaceutical manufacturers. With patients, the most important thing is how it would affect their MS, if they need to do anything different, if they should continue
2: their medication or stop their medicine or change anything regarding the virus and the virus risk, how it affects the immune system, how the immune system would affect the virus plus this. I think that's the
1: most important thing.
0: So Katherine, connecting this back to the, the patient needs, what are we hearing?
1: Yeah, so in this case, both MS patients and neurologists are looking to the manufacturer for insights on how COVID-19 impacts the condition and treatment itself clinically. There were certainly a good deal of logistical needs like available availability of medication. And it's actually quite unique for physicians and patients to be so aligned in their language when we look at the data. We often see what's actually a real disconnect between what physicians tend to focus on, such as an understanding of the data, and then what patients tend to focus on, such as conveying their quality of life impact, for example. But with COVID, neither party has that benefit of experience to draw from, and both are really working to figure out how will this virus impact MS specifically.
0: Well, you know, Catherine, that patient that we heard actually called out his medication by name and the manufacturer. So I did some homework. I went to the Ocrevus patient site from Genentech, as well as those for other leading MS therapies. And his medication happened to have what I saw as the most comprehensive and specific resources of any I observed at the time. Now, Today, many of them have caught up, but at that moment when when we were listening to these clips, Ocrevus was far ahead of the others.
1: Yeah, that is really interesting. Uh, but in any regard, looking back, pharma manufacturers were as eager to understand how to best communicate with consumers as consumers were to hear from them. Um, healthcare communication in the time of COVID-19 does continue to be a learning moment for everyone. And you know, I think this is an opportunity to really listen to the needs of patients and healthcare professionals. Um, so now let's shift and listen to a few clips from some other specialties. Um, there was a significant theme that emerged around telemedicine and remote care. And in this case, the first physician we'll listen to is an immunologist. And just for context, this was from week nine of our data collection as well.
2: It is disrupting our practice completely. We are no longer seeing patients on a regular basis in the office. What's happening right now We're just converting over to telemedicine. Only emergency patients are seen one at a time within the lobby and then evaluate it with us wearing masks. We still have our infusion patients. They will be seen on a regular basis until this crisis is over or we're directed to send them to the hospital, which is prohibitive since on immunosuppressive therapy. we also have a study program. Patients with studies are still mandated to come in unless we're instructed by uh, otherwise to not have patients come in. So it's a very significant disruption to our practice. We hope to compensate it with use of telemedicine.
0: Wow. So this practice has a couple aspects that have been um, disrupted beyond just office visits. They're a clinical study site as well as a provider of infusion therapies. And I've listened to a bunch of clips from physicians and there's a big concern that patients are delaying care. And we're seeing that in the data now. It's come home to roost.
1: Yeah, such a good point. Just for example, in this case, you know, our immunologist uses intensifiers or words of emphasis and repetition to really drive home how disruptive COVID has been on his practice. You know, you heard disrupted our practice completely, a very significant disruption. And another place we see that repetition is in his sentence structure, which along with this kind of laundry list cadence of of things that are concerning to him, really conveys to his listener the collective impact when all of these burdens start to stack up. And we're also hearing similar insights to the one we just heard uh, when it comes to some of these logistical challenges. I want us to take a moment to hear it in their voice as well. Um, let's listen to an oncologist who highlights that while technology has certainly been helpful during the pandemic, it has highlighted that that digital divide is is really still there and you know part of social determinants of health.
2: We do have teleconferencing. Um, we've tried to talk to patients and uh, make them aware of, of, of uh... Adhering to their particular treatment regimens, um, uh, we've also used just the telephone as well. Um, obviously, there's some of the barriers have been, you know, patients that are in, that are uh, um, underprivileged, that don't have, uh, uh, that are financially disadvantaged, that don't have access to uh, um, uh, uh, computers. So we, we try to use phones as well as possible. Um, some patients we just have difficulty getting a hold of because they're not available. Um, that's probably been the biggest barrier.
0: So we know that a significant number of people do not have internet access, we know that not everybody has a smartphone, yet we make that assumption that they do, and these digital determinants of health are are, are a great divide.
1: Yeah, and from the linguistic perspective, we hear that these providers are still struggling a bit with even considering telehealth to be a quote-unquote real visit. Uh, We actually hear that as the pulmonologist emphasizes, I'm actually seeing patients. And we also hear it in, as I alluded to, what isn't said. In this pulmonologist's response, never does he refer to teleconferencing or phones as a visit. Uh, his voice registers lower confidence, and he discusses how they are trying to talk to their patients. You know, making the implication there that it may not be as successful.
0: Wow, that's that's actually really cool. You know, calling it a real visit or actually seeing a patient, or not even using the word visit at all. Um, mm-hmm. We heard MDs get really specific, but before we go into that, we do have a quick word from our colleague, Sunny Shah, who's InVibe's strategy and insights lead on how InVibe helps its clients.
3: Let's listen. Hi, and uh, thanks for listening to Lost in Transcription. My name is Sunny Shah, and I lead the strategy team at InVibe Labs. So InVibe is a full-service voice research company that helps life science companies better understand the people they serve. So that can be patients or caregivers or really any type of healthcare professional. And what makes InVIBE different from other qualitative research methodologies, like let's say, focus groups or phone interviews, is that our data collection process is completely automated. So the questions are pre recorded, there's no need for scheduling or coordinating, and really people can share their stories whenever they want. But honestly, The real magic starts to happen when our team of linguistic experts, using technology that we've developed in-house, take the voice responses we've collected and decode them. They're able to analyze both what is said and how it's said. And because of this, we're able to provide companies with deeper insights, derived from language and from voice. Now our clients have used InVibe to help them answer all sorts of critical research questions and a wide range of business challenges whether that's uncovering how physicians think about new data that's been published or understanding how patients feel about new ad campaign concepts. We're able to help them with all of that. So the possibilities of voice research are are really endless and we're always super excited when clients find new ways to partner with InVibe. Every time we help them hear the voice of their customers and understand what they're truly thinking and feeling, we know we're helping them create greater human value. And that's ultimately our mission. So thank you for listening, and I hope you continue to enjoy this podcast. Back over to you, Rich.
0: Thanks for that, Sonny. Now back to the MDs and some very specific needs. Let's take a listen.
2: I worry most about um, uh, patients not being able to afford their medicine. So if, say, they're a waitstaff at a restaurant, the restaurant's closed, uh, they're not making any income, they can't afford their asthma inhaler, asthma gets out of control, and they... Um, uh, end up hospitalized utilizing hospital space uh, that we may need for a COVID patient. Uh, So theoretically, um, uh, there could be some sort of um, temporary free medications. For example, uh, people get uh, to free inhalers or such uh, as a means of trying to stem um, uh, the troubles associated with this uh, uh, pandemic.
1: Okay. So Listen to the phrases he's using here. They're not making money. They can't afford. They end up. These are very specific language tools for someone who's trying to build a case for intervention. That rapid cadence of this physician's speech also really serves as a sort of mm, subconscious storytelling device to drive his point home. Let's listen again, and this time pay attention to how this physician's language speeds up as he continues and how that really helps to verbally convey his sentiment of a patient out of control.
2: Can't afford their asthma inhaler, asthma gets out of control and they um, uh, end up hospitalized utilizing hospital space uh, that we may need for a COVID patient.
0: Yeah, I think it's so important what you just said here about his increased cadence, because as we say in the show title, That gets lost in transcription and our customers from the life sciences industry need to be listening to these things to understand how is this person feeling in the moment? This sense of urgency, this sense of desperation is really important.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly. And and Rich, I'd love for you to now hear the same perspective from an asthma patient answering that same question. The only thing that I think I would like done that isn't being done and it, it may not even be, um, something that my doctor or the maker of my medication could do. But um, to just have sort of a stock on that, my, my biggest concern is my rescue inhaler. Um, and I only have one of those. I only, you know, get a prescription for one of those
2: at a time. Um, and I think right now with trying to self-isolate
1: and quarantine and everything, it would be nice in the event that I lost it or needed another one for some reason, um, i i would have a spare
0: wow i that's that's leveling of the playing field again that we're hearing both the doctor and the patient needing very basic support and the old rules aren't working in this new world and we heard many doctors and patients across specialties and conditions with similar asks of life sciences and the good news is they're listening One of the first that I saw um, step up, AbbVie uh, took their media dollars from their usual DTC, I'm guessing, and they launched my Assist. And for for me, that was one of the first ones that I saw. And then that kind of the rest of industry started to follow and said, you know what, Um, this isn't going away anytime soon. And we need to step up and we need to be there for our patients and for practitioners. So they were listening and responding, which we can't let that momentum go away. And that's kind of one of the important things. And we even saw Ubrelvi, um, a, a migraine medication from Allergan. They were actively promoting telemedicine as, as a top call to action on their website, on-demand access to a healthcare provider who treats migraines. So the notion of DTC being more focused on helping than selling is one that I think may outlast COVID-19, at least I hope it will, and be an important byproduct of this disaster if we don't come out of this having changed for the better, um, shame on us. But we saw this in a few conditions before COVID-19, but they were primarily lifestyle, and this this is serious, this is pulmonology.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I loved this response because it felt like something so many of us could relate to. Um, And another advantage of using this moderatorless platform is something that we call the confessional effect. So we're listening along as this patient is really working through his own thought process aloud. You know, we can hear him kind of searching for the right word to describe what he's been doing and why he's been doing more online research since COVID-19. No, is it information he's looking for? Advice, and, and then finally he sets on settles on this word connection.
0: Well, so I'm I'm eager to hear some more patient insights, but we're going to have to wait till the next episode. We're going to go deeper into those insights from very specific disease states. You mentioned a few up front, but let's just recap some of the highlights that patients, practitioners, and manufacturers are talking about.
1: Yeah. So beyond the pandemic people really need to understand their condition in relation to the world that they're living in. You know, they want to feel safe and heard and for experts to just anticipate those needs better in terms of their urgency and the level of detail. We've learned that our system, frankly, is fragile. We have to be better prepared and really be willing to collaborate.
0: Well said. We also see a need for massive regulatory and social support shifts. We have barriers to care that may have been rational in the world we used to live in, but we don't live there anymore. Um, Thank you, everybody, for listening, for abiding the the trucks and the dogs and all the home noises during our recording. If you liked what you heard or you learned something new, please share it um, with a friend and look for more episodes at invibe.fm. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you to our listeners. Mostly, I always like to thank the people who gave us the gift to their voices. And again, remember, InVibe is always here and ready to help you listen.